Abdulaziz Muhammad, I know you would prefer the focus not to be on yourself, given your dedication to struggling for the rights of all the men still languishing in detention on Manus Island. But if we could start with why you sought asylum in the first place, you fled the war-torn Darfur region of Sudan in 2013. What happened next and how did you find yourself on the way to Australia? Well, uh, first of all, thank you for having me. And uh, second, it's uh, a very long story. Um, the story that started back then in 2013 and... Uh, I feel like even literally out of that story now, it's, uh, it's gone out of my mind. And all I could remember at the moment is the, the atrocity and the horror that I have uh, witnessed and I have experienced on uh, Manus Island and Nauru. But uh, let me take you back to my journey. Well, I fled the war turn, as you said, in Darfur and all the way to Indonesia. In fact, in Indonesia, it wasn't uh, safe for me to stay, and I had no other choice rather than try and uh, find a way out. So the only way is uh, I had either I risked my life to death or, I mean, I would be hunted by the perpetrator. So I thought of, you know, instead of being hunted by perpetrator, I prefer to, um, I mean, to take the risk and with only one option. If I made it, I would feel like I'm a reborn again. And if I didn't, that means my luck. And I was lucky that I made it to Christmas Island and I felt like I'm a reborn. And I also was pretty much like to uh, to take the opportunities that uh, I've been given on a Christmas Island and the way that we've been welcomed. And I was trying to also to be there and to contribute with the uh, the community in Australia and as well as to be part of the uh, the multicultural uh, society in Australia. But in fact, um, I was wrong again. And a um, few weeks later, we've been taken from Christmas Island to Darwin, from Darwin to Papua New Guinea with no any explanations and no one even told us why. And, and we've been left on our own for a six long years in that place. Indeed, and as you say, you ended up spending six harrowing years of your life detained on Manus Island. You've said the living conditions there were, and I quote, absolutely indescribable, inhumane and cruel. And yet, remarkably, you and so many of the other men found the power to resist this regime of cruelty. You participated in and indeed led many protests, including a mass hunger strike, which led to your being briefly jailed by the Papua New Guinean police. Where did this will to resist come from amid such seemingly hopeless circumstances? Um, This is a a resist that I only picked it out when I was in Papua New Guinea because I found myself among 1,600 men who are powerless and who are speechless, and, uh, and some of them also they are not able to um, to speak for themselves. And I realized that if 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 we don't sacrifice, if one of us, you know, he does not, he doesn't sacrifice for the others, no one will acknowledge our existence, and no one will know even where 
where we are because we've been taken in a place where in the middle of nowhere, out of sight, out of mind. And for us, I took the opportunity to be the uh, the person who would, I mean, be as the shield and take the bullet and to protect the others and as well as to also try and be part of the uh, of the voices. And it's not only the in one context I could say. If you look at the history and if you look at the prisons, most of the uh, the uh, the greatest people on this planet, for example, Malcolm X, uh, Nelson Mandela, and most of these peoples, they are they build their strength inside the prisons. And prison is not only about you know giving you the the horror or the atrocity, but also it gives you a purpose in life and also. It's only about you how to utilize that purpose. And when it happened to me, despite what I've been through, I always try to remember that if I don't do this, no one will be able to do it. And if I don't do it, no one will be able to listen to our voice. I started my first contributions in to try and raise our voice back then in 2014. And we ended up losing one of our friends we did it on 2015. I ended up serving a month in prison. Um, we did it again and again and again, and it's, I'm still doing it. Why I'm doing it? Because part of we are a human beings. When you are in a situation that you have to offer to people, do it. Don't wait for people to ask you to offer for them. Take the chance. Take the lead, and things will fall one after another behind you. Alongside the award-winning Kurdish journalist Baruz Bachani and several others, you played an extremely important role, as you've said, in giving voice to the struggle of refugees on Manus Island. You created the Messenger podcast, which won a grand prize at the New York Festival's International Radio Program Awards. And in February this year, you received the Martin Niles Award for Human Rights Defenders in Geneva. Quite remarkable. Have you been able to feel a sense of pride and achievement, or is that overshadowed by your desire to see justice for the men who remain on Manus Island and indeed Nauru as well? Well, um, we always don't, uh, for me, I don't see the achievement. All I see is the struggle, how to accomplish the struggles. And for me, as you said, the pride is still, I don't see the pride. I don't see the pride. Despite all this, I feel like there is still so much to do. I mean, I send my uh, special gratitude to my comrades, uh, Baruz Bichani, and who we stood alongside and from the beginning of this uh, nightmare of officials back in 2013. And as long as we keep doing this work, we don't feel deprived, but all we do is we feel like there's so much we need to achieve. Not to ourselves, but we need to change. We need to change the 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 the, uh, the the perceptions of the peoples who who think and who continually to think that refugees are threat to the global, and we want to change that perceptions. We want to let them know that refugees are not threat to the global. Refugees are people just like you and me. Uh, <clears throat> the nightmare in their country forced them to leave their country and want to be part of your society. And today, if you look. If you look at the refugees, at there we have a positive example. In every country, refugees are the ones who are leading the economics in many countries. Refugees are one who contributed, working hard day and night, try to achieve, uh, not to achieve 
from the country, but also try to present themselves that, look, you offer me, you give me a chance, and I'm here by telling you or letting you know that your chance has not been wasted. Your chance has been granted to the right person, and this is what people don't see. People, All people see is in one narrow mind that says refugees are welfare takers, job takers. Earlier this month, you were granted asylum by Switzerland, and recently you had the opportunity to speak at the United Nations Human Rights Council on behalf of the Australian Human Rights Law Centre. Tell our listeners the message you conveyed in that speech, particularly with respect to the arguments you wanted to convey to the Australian government and also to the Australian people. Well, I, as you know, Australia is leading the Human Rights Council. And, uh, I mean, you don't need to be, uh, I mean, hypocrite in that area. When you are leading the nation, you are leading the Human Rights Council, 47 states, and also... You're, you're leading them. You need to be a clear about You need to clean. You need to be clean when you are leading a place like that. But I found out that Australia is leading the Human Rights Council, but why are the ones who violate the human rights constantly in, 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 in Manus Island, even, even in Australia today? And the message that I deliver is a very simple message. It's not a message about, uh, about, about what is happening, but it's a message that Stop lying to the nation. Stop try to practice the simple human rights. Implement the human rights rather than just leading the council. And my message that I convey, I talk about the six years that people have been detained. I talk about the death. Twelve people have died in the last six years. As well as the current situations. Over 110 men have attempted suicide in just a month. Imagine. Imagine in just a month. And also, I, I spoke about the toxic language that's been used by the Australian politicians and as well as by the other politicians across the world who are thinking constantly that the refugees are about people. And lastly, I concluded my message with asking the, the Human Rights Council to ask the president of the council to help Australia accountable for these crimes, for this breaching of the human rights, and as well as the urgency the urgent resettlement, and we want to all think about it. What can we do? How long are these men going to be languishing behind the bar on Manus Island and Nauru? Six years is gone. Now we are starting the seven years. July, 19th of July, next month will be the seven years we start. Finally, Aziz, you mentioned that there have been nearly 100 or indeed over 100 suicide attempts and serious self-harm incidents on Manus Island since the coalition won another term of government at the federal election on the 18th of May. What do we need to do here in Australia? And I really mean uh, with respect to ordinary people there to once and for all bring an end to this appalling, unspeakable crime we call offshore detention. Well, there's a lot need to be done. I mean, I still come back to the nation of Australia. There is a lot need to be done. And the question that I'm going to ask the, the nation, the Australian nation, is you've been hearing these stories. You've been hearing about this crime again and again and again and again. But you never ask yourself, what, what will you do to help this man? You never ask yourself, where, why even am I hearing this story? And what am I going to do with this story? And from, from your show today, I would like to ask the Australian nations, whoever listening to this 
forecast. Please take a moment and think about, think about what is happening on the names of your country. That's one thing. And don't only think about the situation of the refugee, but I want you to feel it. Just have a minute of your time. Put yourself in their shoes. Imagine you are one of the refugees who've been tortured, who've been constantly and systematically tortured in an official detention center, and you wasted six years of your life. And find the answer. If you find that answer, I'm sure you will stand up for us.